and welcome to episode 27 of the Massive Attack. Welcome to my world podcast. I am your host, Mitch, and with me, as always, is Joe. And that's the first time I got through the intro without stuffing up for ages. Well, there you go. Excellent. How are you, Joe? I'm very well, thank you, Mitch. (sighs) Down here in sunny Launceston. We did non-curfews and non-stage fours. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, posting some pictures on Instagram of going out to the wilderness and got a couple of comments from my Melbourne friends going, oh, I wish we could do that. Actually went out to a cafe for breakfast Mm -hmm. on the weekend, so mm, not to rub it. Crazy talk. That stuff only happens in movies. Uh, Yes. Speaking of movies, since it's still kind yes. of somewhere in the Northern oh, Hemisphere, we have, yes, we've got a topic. Well, That's what we do on these Welcome to My Worlds. Summer movie blockbuster season. Yes, it should be peak blockbuster season, but this year it's a little bit different. So, as we talked about the 80s blockbusters of yesteryear, we decided to talk 90s blockbusters and sort of like get out feelings of the films and that sort of stuff. So shall we jump straight into 1990? Time <laughs> yes, we should. And it was an interesting time, 1990. Oh, yeah. I'd just finished high school in 1989, so I'd graduated from high school. It was my first year of going out and working for myself, having disposable income, I guess you'd say. And I was probably going to the movies a lot in 1990. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking. I went through the list coming to further years, and it was sort of like I could see, I can remember seeing a lot of these films. Like with the 80s, it was, I saw that on video, or I remember going to the movies to certain ones that was on the curriculum day for school or mum had dropped me off on a Friday night with a big one like Ghostbusters 2 or Batman or something like where I'm remembering a lot of these films as oh yeah I went with this guy it was during this thing or I went with these mates or something like that and it was sort of yep. like the memories are there and it was my own money and I was going on Tuesday nights I was going on the tight ass Tuesday we had back then so it was yep. half price on a Tuesday to get people out so being a tight ass myself it was like yeah Tuesdays were good days to go to the movies and yeah so it, it was a, it was a broadening of my movies viewing as well so we'll get to that when we get to some of the films and some of the years but yeah it was sort of like the blossoming of all I knew was what was in a video library or what was at the cinemas yep and, you know, Entertainment Tonight was my guide of what was coming out and I got excited for. Where around 91, I think, maybe even 89, it could have been that early, but I got my first Lennon Moulton movie guide. Yeah. Did you ever have one of those? Never a, an actual physical copy, no. Okay, yeah. So I had that and I loved that book. And, you know, the first one I had, I was highlighting movies I'd seen and I was just this big, massive book of Lennon Moulton with a, I don't know, one paragraph description of the film or review of the film and a one to five star rating. And it was the greatest thing ever, being a film nut or so I thought. I was like, this is this is awesome. I love this. And you find out about movies, you just randomly look through it and find movies that you just can't find. You go to the video yep. library, they don't exist. Yep. It's not like you have some sort of computer network where you can just type it in and there they are. But anyway, well, well, let's get onto it, shall we? 1990. Yeah, yeah. so I'd, like I did last month when we did the 80s, I've looked mainly at releases between May and August. So May being the lead up into the summer time in the Northern Hemisphere and obviously June, July, August being the actual summer months while people are on holidays and going out and going to the movies. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So for 1990, I think the May releases – The first thing that I've got on here that resonates with me and also made an awful lot of money, and that's Back to the Future 3. That came out the end of May 1990. 
And in America, that made $244 million. I don't think it made quite as much as the other Back to the Futures. And personally, I don't enjoy it quite as much as the other Back to the Futures. There's a couple of scenes that I really love. And there's a couple of scenes that I just find probably a little bit cliched compared to the others. It's funny because I, I remember at the time, like I like one. One's perfect. And I like three. And two was a bridging film, which had nothing going about it because i remember looking for two like i talk about entertainment tonight i was so excited for this film watching bits and pieces on that and other shows and just seeing the special flicks behind and there was a hoverboard and there was the 3d shark and all this sort of stuff I was like oh wow i was so excited and i totally forgot about it the yeah. movie i hadn't seen it for a long time it was only in really in the last 10 years or so that i've probably seen the second one again it's going oh there's a lot going on in this movie i didn't remember any of it where the third one i had seen quite a bit and as a self-contained movie it's quite good so i could easily go from one to three quite well and the middle just seemed to be a bridge but there's so much in that second one that i actually appreciate a lot more than i did originally but yeah it's kind of weird but i thought as a film the third one held together better because it is an ending in a way where the second one isn't it it, it is a bridging film to a point you can't just watch that and be done with it you sort of have to finish it to a point but yeah exactly it's it's kind of cool Mm. okay so nothing else really big in may came out but in june we had total recall which made 261 million in the box office and i do remember actually seeing that in the cinema as a young sort of 19 and a half year old or 18 and a half year old at that stage probably i remember getting a bit of a chuckle with the woman with three breasts (laughs) <laughs> and i vividly remember the guy's eyes popping out when he takes his helmet off in mars sorry that's that's schwarzenegger when he's doing that no mm, yes I think so. yes yeah remember? it yeah. was schwarzenegger wasn't it yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was one of the other characters whose eyes popped no, out, but it is Arnie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because we were talking about Arnie in the 80s one, saying how he wasn't that prevalent in the 80s. But I think the 90s was really the time of Arnie. It wasn't long, though. Not a lot of them made money. I think th- this was probably one of his bigger ones. But, yeah, he made a lot of movies in the 90s, but I don't think he made a lot of good movies in the 90s. But, yeah. So other big releases in June of 1990, we had yep. Dick Tracy that made $162 million, which I yeah, find... I was so pumped for that movie. I was again, Entertainment Tonight. That's all I obviously did back then, but I was mm. so excited. Batman was big. I was a comic nut. So they're making all these comic movies, and it was had a, a really artistic style to it and all this sort of stuff, and it was just a bit naff in the end. Yeah, I, I don't think I saw that at the cinema. I, I saw it much later on video and was underwhelmed. Mm. We had... A couple of other sequels that didn't do quite as well. We had Gremlins 2, which really didn't blow me away at all. I did see that at the cinema, but I didn't mean anything to me. And we had Robocop 2, which just, again, wasn't as good as the first You didn't Robocop. like Gremlins 2? I, I like a couple of scenes in Gremlins 2, but it, to I me, it's not it. the same movie as Gremlins. Well, and of course it wasn't, because no. it was never going to be, because they were going to make a sequel, and they went to Joe Dante, and they said, you're going to make a sequel of Gremlins for it? And he goes, no, why would you make a sequel to that movie? It's fine. And they go, well, if you don't make it, we're going to make it. And he goes, fine, I'll make you a sequel and you're never going to make another one after. That's what he did. Yeah, Yeah, he he threw everything at that film. It's like, yep, that's true. And I loved it for that because it was so crazy and over the top and perfect in that way. It was just ridiculous. But Mm. yeah. And what did you say? The other one? Uh, Robocop 2. Robocop 2. Yeah. 
I've read the original because it was written by Frank Miller, who wrote Sin City and 300 and a bunch of other things. Cursed, which is on Netflix at the moment. He wrote the script to it and it's quite funny. And they actually adapted his original script into a comic about 10 years ago. And I've read that and it's quite good, but it's just nothing. It just didn't have the satire of the original Robocop to it. It was, yeah, it just didn't. It just wasn't more or enough. But yeah, I dug up for what it was, but it wasn't the same. But it did have Lisa Gibbons in it and I had a massive crush for her. Going back to my entertainment tonight. tonight exactly. Mm. So another movie I actually did see in the cinema, but not until much later here in Australia. I think it came out in November and that was Days of Thunder. Because mm-hmm. I can remember going to Geelong to see this because it was Melbourne Cup Day and we had a public holiday in Melbourne, but it was still a normal working day in Geelong. And I remember catching the train to Geelong for some reason and seeing it in the cinema in Geelong. Not that that was hugely exciting, but yeah. But I quite like Days of Thunder. I had no idea about NASCAR. I still don't. Um, <laughs> I saw it on video and it was at the cinemas. And I remember, again, going, oh, it really was entertainment tonight because it was all about the making of and how the cameras were in there and he learned to drive and all these sort of shit behind everything. But I remember watching it on video, and it still happens today, but it was one of those movies where it was fucking loud. Yeah. And then they'd talk, and you couldn't hear it, so you turn the volume up. Next thing you know, it's like, fuck, and you turn the volume down. I just, for the first time, I remember going through that whole volume up, volume down, watching this movie because it was all over the shop. But yeah. that's what I remember about it. Nothing else? His name is Dick Trickle or something? No, Dick Trickle's a real NASCAR oh, person. I don't know then. I don't. That, I it. don't remember what his character. All well, I remember is the volume. Is it Cole Trickle? Maybe his name's Cole Trickle. Sounds about right. Something like yes. that. Yeah. yeah. And the culture members. I have. It has no resonance with me as a film, except for the volume. I have been tempted to go back and watch it, but again, why? <laughs> as, as racing movies go, it's pretty good. And I think it was one of those times in Tom Cruise's life where he really wanted to get into motor racing because he'd worked with Paul Newman and Paul Newman was quite well known for his motor racing. And yes. Tom himself was kind of like, well, maybe I want to get into motor racing. And the way he could kind of do it and still get paid was to go and make a movie about racing. And at that stage, he was still married to Mimi Rogers and he decided that he wanted to become a racing driver. And apparently the rumor is that Mimi Rogers didn't like the fact that he was going to become a driver and that was why they split up. So, Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that he was seeing Nicole Kidman on the side because they were in this movie together, but who knows? Mm. Yes. 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 All right. Rumors about Tom Cruise aside, let's move on to July 1990. A couple of big ones Mm -hmm. in July. We had Die Hard 2, and I mentioned on the last episode that I thought Die Hard 2 was a better movie. Superior film, yes. (laughs) But looking back now, I can tell that it's not. Although I I think. I still thought it was awesome when I first saw it. it, It's the first time he does the Yippie Kaye motherfucker, though, isn't it? Or is that in the first one as well? It's in the first one. I definitely remember it on this one where he sets fire to the, the landing strip of the airport and he says it as the plane's flying off. But maybe it's a callback to the first one. But yeah, it is. we also had a hugely grossing movie, and that was Ghost, which made 517 million in the box office. Another yep. big box office movie that I haven't seen is Presumed Innocent. That made 221 million. Yeah, that was Harrison Ford. I think so. We also had Problem Child, which only made 72 million. But if you listen to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, yes. he talks about that a lot. I don't think I've ever seen it, so I, I can't really comment. It. it was one of those kids' family films. I was just too old for that in 1990. Probably. And rounding up this summer in 1990, in August, we had 
Young Guns 2, which made a piddly $44 million, and a, a movie that's close to our hearts and didn't make hardly anything in the box office, and that's Christian Slater's Pump Up the Volume. Oh, I've got that note right here. Yes, yeah. I've got a few. There's a few. All right, so like you've said, those Home Alone was, I think, the arson from last year still made a lot of money for this year. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original, was in there as well. Yeah, I think they came that out made in a March. lot of money. Yep. Yeah, Hunt for Red October was also that year. Dark Man, which was Sam Raimi going, I want to make a superhero movie, but no one's making those, so I'm going to make my own. Okay. Tango and Cash also came out, which I I think we've talked about in the past. Did we talk about Kurt Russell a lot? Because I we normally do. do. Yes. We Little do. Mermaid made a lot of money. Predator 2 also came out that year. Rocky Five. Flatliners. Yep. Yeah, Arachnophobia. I remember seeing these movies, going to Northland Cinema and walking back to my car and anything that sort of made it feel like something was crawling on me freaked me out. Hard to Kill. This was the start of the Steven Seagal thing, which I totally missed. I just, With all of his movies that had three-word titles? Yes, I just don't know. Tremors also came out this year, which I adore. The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which is problematic now, but I liked it at the time. Edward Scissorhands, Dark Angel, which was I was so excited when they came out thinking, oh, is this the... Punisher movie, but no, it was a Dolph Lundgren alien attack sort of really cheapo, you know, Predator 2 movie. Yeah. And probably the one, the Pump Up the Volume is probably my favourite of the year. Obviously not a big one, but Wild at Heart would be the other one that okay. was like, yes, 1990, you rock. Well, speaking of rock and another movie, if you listen to the Bad Movie Fiends, they talk about it a lot. And that was Robot Jocks came out in November 1990. Oh, yes. Mm. And I guess another one we probably should mention, but it means nothing to me. And that was Dances with Wolves came out in November 1990. And made, no, it made $424 million, So obviously oh, some people film. saw it. Just, no, it wasn't funny, for me. Because on a podcast I used to do called Shooting the Pooh, we used to do an Oscars podcast every year and try and watch as many of the best film nominees and talk about it and everything. And looking back, there were so many years where I actually actively haven't seen the Oscar-winning film of that year. And it goes back to the 90s. Like, mm. I was seeing the blockbusters. I was seeing Predator 2, but I wasn't seeing Dance with Wolves. And I'm still not. There's still so many holes in my cinema watching of the Best Picture nominees because I like to think I'm a film buff. But I definitely curate what I watch. Yeah. You know, I like my blockbusters and I also like my indie films, but there's sort of that middle ground Oscar movie that obviously is what I avoid for some reason. Mm. But yes, anyway. Hmm. So moving on to 1991, wasn't a lot going on in the summer of 1991, I don't think. Nothing really that was floating my boat. Things that made a lot of money we had in... Things that made a lot of money in May 1991, we had Backdraft that made $152 million. A bit of Ron Howard, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I'm sure it's meant to be really good. I've never seen all of it. It's forgetful. Like, I've seen it. I definitely saw it. And I enjoyed it. But I couldn't tell you anything about it. Mm. And June 1991, we had Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that made $390 million. And again, didn't see that at the cinema. Something I think that, I did. Something this that was I during did. peak Brian Adams times. Yes, it was. I can remember going to the city with my friend Nick, who is Highlander. a Highlander fan. Yes. And he bought the <laughs> CD single of Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do For You. And a little bit later in the afternoon, we went to the Shrine of Remembrance in St Kilda Road. And for some reason, he was jumping over a hedge and it fell out of his pocket and he lost the CD single. So he had to go and buy it again. <laughs> and I am blaming him 
for buying that single twice. That's why that song was on number one so long. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> he didn't need to buy it twice. He could have just. He didn't need to jump over my fucking head. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, I can't remember was the context. Was he wearing a kilt? Not at that time. No. Did he have his sword? Uh, I don't think he did. That was another day. Okay. All right. So, also in June 1991, something a bit closer to our hearts, Suburban Commando came out. Yes, I did say that. And made $6,000 in the box office. Oh, really? Sorry. No, hang on. There's a decimal. I'm missing there. 600? <laughs> Six million, even. <laughs> so that's oh, probably okay. a, a little bit more realistic. And also the now, Rocketeer came out. And I think you've talked about the Rocketeer many times. But yeah, I have. Um, now, Suburban Commander, I, I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I was out of wrestling at that point. I don't know if I got the cinema release here because I oh, didn't I very much care enough. It. I did catch it on video years later when I started to get back into wrestling and was just devouring everything wrestling, which included this because it starred one Hulk Hogan as a bounty hunter or intergalactic cop of some sort coming to Earth to catch the – oh, no, he got stuck on Earth and there were bounty hunters chasing him or something when Undertaker was one of those. It's not good. No. No, not good. It's funny how you look at The Rock is the number one box office star in the world right now. Hogan was the biggest wrestling personality for a good while there. It did not translate to film. And it's got to be choice of film and things like that because we love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think we've talked about him in early days of this podcast as well, where he's made some films. And he's quite good when he's allowed to be him. But when he's not Stone Cold Steve Austin, you don't kind of care. And the same sort of happens with Roddy Piper. We love Roddy Piper and he did do some good films, but more when he's the Hot Rod character per se, more than Roderick Toombs just being an actor, where The Rock tried to be a serious actor and it wasn't till really fast five where he's like just be the rock yeah just be that guy and look at him now and it's just funny that hogan never translated like he was on the front of you know the front of the tv guide and sports illustrated he was a brand and he could not translate to a good film could you tell me a good film no i really can't think of a movie that hogan was in that's actually consider a good film and i think it's because where the rock we wanted the rock to be the rock he couldn't be anyone else but hulk hogan And that didn't work. That's weird. Hmm. You know, Thunder in Paradise was a fun show, but no, it was shit. (laughs) Anyway, go on. (laughs) All right. So moving forward to July 1991. Again, nothing making huge waves at the box office. We had Hot Shots made $176 We had Point Break making $83 And we had Boys in the Hood. Yeah, Boys in the Hood made fifty-six million. So no, no huge money makers in nineteen ninety-one. I mean, that was sort of good then, I guess. Probably it seems to be good. I don't by comparison. Yeah, and again, August came along, and I think the highest-grossing movie from August was probably only in the fifty sort of millions, and that was Doc Hollywood. That was fifty-four million. But again, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing huge. So. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was about 1991, but that's summer. I don't know if there was anything else that really jumped out at me on this list of 1991 movies. Barton Fink came out in August of 1991. Yes. Now, yeah, that yeah. was an awakening for me. We've talked about it in the past. But we have. If we've got new listeners. That was – so 91 was my final year of high school, and this was, we, this was that time between finishing high school and starting the new year. So I didn't go on to uni or anything, but I also didn't go on to anything. So I had time, and I was catching up with mates who were going on to uni and we went and saw this movie barton fink very similar to but i was a lot older 
to The Simpsons and Bart getting excited going to this movie. Oh, let's go see this black comedy. Not really knowing what a black comedy was back then. This R-rated film, Bart and Fink. Let's go see it. And not knowing anything about it. Exactly. (laughs) And not really seeing films like that before either. You know, I I was watching, you know, Terminators, Predator 2s, Die Hard 2s, all that sort of shit. But I came away loving this movie, going, that was fucking amazing. And the mates I dragged along hated me. (laughs) <laughs> for making them go watch it. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, that was great. So it was a seminal moment in my cinema going history to go, no, there's other stuff out. I need new friends. <laughs> and was, that yes. the, was that the start of your love for John Turturro? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's the star of it, yeah. And he's yeah. in the new Batman film, which we just got a trailer for this week. There you go. Yeah, but um, are, you, are you finished with the timeline or are we just talking the rest of the year now? Yeah. Right. So the big film of the year I got written down is Terminator 2. Was that yep. a summer film? Or? Yeah. So massive, It wasn't massive, in the summer, movie. but it was later in the year, I think. And was huge. Absolutely huge. Sars and the Lambs also came out this year, which was a big movie. City Slickers was one of those. Naked Gun 2. Now, I would have been seeing that. No yep. problem. But Barton Fink was like, oh, there's other things out there. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 was quite the big earner for the year too, but I didn't see it. Is I love the first time? one. No. My no Secret, of the one. Secret of yep. the Ooze. Secret of the Ooze. Yeah. Yeah. So I still was making money. We had Hot Shots. We had Boys in the Hood, like you said. Star Trek 6, Bill and Ted 2, The Last Boy Scout, Misery, Hudson Hawk, which I still haven't seen, and I must remedy that. Highlander 2, which is sort of like, was one of those, what's all that about? <laughs> yes. Drop Dead Fred, which I absolutely adore. Something for you would have been American Ninja 4. Yeah, they kind of lost the plot by then. And, and maybe I remember it being a big deal because of the song and everyone sort of was into it, but I don't know. I just sort of was, you know, when you sort of get into it and go, oh, yeah, I like it too because everyone else does, like liking, you know, Dire Straits or something. Commitments was a big film of the okay. year. Mm. Mm. Yes. All right, so let's jump into 1992 now. So. Right. 1992 had a couple of big movies in the summer period. So Lethal Weapon 3 was probably the biggest, again, in my wheelhouse. That sort of came out mid-May 1992, and that made $319 million in the box office. Yep. June 1992, we also had Batman Returns, which made $266 million. I still don't get it myself. I saw it the once when it came out and was disappointed because it wasn't batman enough. I don't know what I wanted, but it wasn't it. And it wasn't only until probably eight years ago that I saw it again and it's not bad and people argue that it's the best Batman film out there up until you know the recent ones but it's like hmm don't know about that, but yeah, I can see some points. Mm-hmm. We also had Aces Iron Eagle 3, which I've never even heard of, came out in June 1992. You haven't heard of it? I, I've only seen the first one. All right. In the second one, the main guy dies in the first five minutes. Chappie? No, 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 no. The young guy. Okay. In a- Iron Eagle 3, the Aces, that's where Chappie is an old retired flyer now, and he flies in air shows with other old pilots, and they all fly their old planes. So he's flying it's like a Sabre or something from the Korean War. There's a Japanese. Japanese dude flying a Zero, there's a German dude flying a Mischa Schmidt and all this sort of stuff. And they end up having to go out and, you know, save some people again. The old, you know, aces using their old planes save some people. It's okay. as cool as it sounds. Yes. <laughs> if we, if you, you were still living in the same state, I would be sitting you down and watching it. Okay. All right. So I, I missed one from May and that was Sister Act. That came out in May 231 million. And I just Magic watched this. Movie. I just rewatched this a couple of weeks ago and it it actually still holds up. It's probably one of those movies that there is nothing about it now that you watch and you think, well, that's a bit problematic. It still is quite a good movie. There's a few scenes where you think maybe, but it still works for me. Anyway, 
1992, you mentioned it last month, we had Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yes. Uh, a movie that I saw at the movies myself and really enjoyed, and that was Van Damme's Universal Soldier. The didn't see the pictures. I don't know. It was just one of those movies. I got there eventually. But yeah, it was, I don't know what I was picking and choosing. I really had no rhythm to my viewing. That's for sure. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with uh, Kirsty Swanson. Kristen, Kristy Swanson. Kirstie Swanson. Yes, Kirsty Swanson. That came out, only made $14 million, so we won't really dwell on that too much. And August 1992, the Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me movie came out, but didn't set massive records in the box office. No, but it set a massive record in my heart. I adore that movie, but only because I watched it about six years ago. Yep. If I saw it then, I would have hated it, not yes. knowing a thing. But no, now I absolutely adore that movie. But yeah, it's mm. ta- it, 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 it was a progression to get to that point. A lot of learning, a lot of understanding, a lot of growth. <laughs> but yeah, I, I adore that movie. And another movie that didn't make a lot of money, $159 million, but still holds up as being a very good Western, and that is Unforgiven. Oh, that was a big deal. Yeah, that was like oh, every couple of years there's a Western movie that comes out. They're going, oh, the Return of the Western, and this is great. It's really sticking all those sort of things, and this was one of those. But a lot of Oscar nods in there, I think, as well, because it was directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood. And I think he sat on this movie for about ten years until he aged into the role. Yep, because he wanted to be in it, and it was like, I got to be older, I got to be older when I do it. And yeah, it's good. Hmm. Well, so just looking at the list further down my list here, right. in September we had Last of the Mohicans. We talked about that quite a few episodes ago when we were talking about uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. So that was... Greatest actor behind Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. We also had Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, because Coffee's for Closers. That's a great film. I so well. I just reading that in my list. I'm like, I really should watch that again. Uh, Mighty Ducks came out in October. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't make much money at the box office. So I think it's gone on to make more money. You we also saw had, that. Well, they started their own buddy hockey team based on it. Mm, yes, we also had Under Siege. Speaking of Steven Seagal. Oh. Yeah, we weren't speaking. <laughs> Eric Eleniak. That, that's what people remember. Eric Eleniak <laughs> jumping out of a cake. Well, that uh, was. A- Tommy Lee Jones, I didn't see this at the cinemas either. Like, you know, I missed Die Hard for some reason at the cinemas. Yep. I didn't see Under Siege for a good five years. Again, Stephen Seagal, he was a blind spot to me. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive was this whole, this guy's amazing and got his Oscar normal. Did he win the Oscar for his supporting role? I can't remember. But Tommy Lee Jones, you know, he acted in the 80s and then sort of went missing for a while. I remember seeing a movie called Savage Islands years and years in the 80s sometime, where it was sort of an Indiana Jones knockoff. And he was in that. There was another movie called Black Moon Rising, which I saw, not knowing who he was. It was just a movie. And then he turns up in The Fugitive. It's like, he's this dude. You know, Tommy Lee Jones is awesome. But yeah, he was in Under Siege, obviously, and everyone who saw it thought he was cool, but I didn't know who the hell he was. I said Reservoir Dogs came out in 1992 as well, so I don't think I actually saw that at the cinema. I think that was one of those you-have-to-see-this-video type thing at the time, but yeah. Yeah, well, I saw that at... The Valhalla, okay. which was in Westgarth here, which is a revival cinema, I think they call it. Mm. And they used to play like the Blues Brothers and Rocky Horror and all that sort of movies there regularly. And they just play old films and the odd run of a new film for a one or two week period. And that's where I saw Reservoir Dogs, not knowing really anything about it going in. And this is post Barton Fink. So it's in the next 12 months, six months where I'm sort of discovering movies. And I also started making friends going because i had all this time where i wasn't working i made friends with different people 
like because all of my other friends went to uni and this and that. So I ended up getting more cinema friendly friends at this point. So it was a bit easier to go, oh, let's go check out this film and this and that. I, oh, I'm glad I didn't go to like film school or something because I would have become the biggest wanker. It would have been worse. <laughs> yeah, so I remember seeing this movie and was blown away by it. Yes, I, I wish I'd seen it at the cinema, but I never got a chance to. So yeah. Okay, anything else you want to add for 92? All right. Do we have Wayne's World? Did you mention that? No, we didn't. That was a big movie. I remember seeing that Like, because I think I saw it opening weekend. So it was. I knew it was coming probably because of Entertainment Tonight or something like that, but because we don't didn't get Saturday Night Live here in Australia, no one really knew what Wayne's World was No, as a character. So this movie was huge in America. We finally got it here, but no one understood. We saw an opening weekend, and I loved it. Absolutely thought it was hilarious. And, yeah, it took a while for the rest of the people to catch on, a couple of weeks and that, but I was there at the forefront. I remember that being a big deal. Basic Instinct was obviously a huge film for interesting reasons. A League of Their Own is, I fucking cry every time I watch that movie. It's great. Absolutely great. Um, Aladdin came out, which was a huge deal for Disney. Actually, Bram Stoker's Dracula as well came out in November 1992. I hated that movie because I didn't get it. It was just so fake. But I think it was meant to be. Like, it was just so, it was so many things going on cinematically as opposed to just tell me a story. Yeah. But yeah, there's the staging and costumes and there was just so much going on. I'm like, you're taking the piss. Well, I didn't think that at the time. I'm going, what's going on? But, you know, if I was maybe a little bit clever, I would have thought you're taking the piss. And then if I was a little bit clever again, it's like, oh, no, this is actually pretty good. But yeah, I just didn't get it at the heart. Alien 3 came out this year, which confused everybody. Hook came out, which I think I've spoke about on this podcast. Yeah, we talked before. about it in the last episode. Yeah, I don't get it my cousin Vinny, which is a funny little film it's a very little film but marisa tomei gets an academy award for it which everyone still talks about today encino man came out the birth of paulie Wait, shaw's career and brendan frazier mm. muppet christmas carol which go back to one of our previous 12 days of christmas specials and you'll check it out something that you might want to talk about here i don't know singles came out that year Mm. Which, Great soundtrack, not a very good movie Well that's what I was going to talk about I remember the soundtrack, Wood by Alice in Chains Great song, best thing about that movie Because I could not tell you what happened in that movie All I, I can remember about that movie good. Is they play really loudly And she mm. blows the glass out of the, the windows Of her little Geo Metro Because okay. she's got her grunge music playing too loudly Yeah, I could not tell you what it's about No, no. Alright, 1993, let's get through it quicker, quicker, quicker. Okay, so summer 1993 May we had Cliffhanger which made 255 million. You know that movie. I've hired it that many times in the video library in the deals. Still never seen it. No, I've never watched it either. Moving on to June 1993, we had a couple of movies that everyone would think would be high ranking as far as money goes, and that Sleepless in Seattle made 227 million, and The Firm made 270 million. But neither of those are anywhere near Jurassic Park, which made like one billion dollars and still rates as one of the best movies as far as special effects go. Yep. I, I don't no, think I'm they rate two there. movies as generational. Like King Kong changed things. Star Wars changed things. Jurassic Park is one of those movies. It's like, yeah, we're taking another step forward. Yeah. And it still holds up. Hmm. And it's the third highest grossing movie of the decade of 1990s. So, yeah. I never saw it at the cinema at the time. I saw it on video, but I have gone back and watched it on cinema since. And one of those ones at the Astor where they play like a bunch of Jurassic Parks in a, a marathon sort of thing. Why did you not see it? 
Everyone saw it, I thought. I don't think I was into dinosaurs when I was in 1993. What? I think when you're a kid, you like dinosaurs. And when you're a parent, you like dinosaurs. But when I was, you know, young 20-something, I just didn't care for dinosaurs. Too cool for school, were you? Maybe I was. Uh, Okay. Fair enough. Yes. Rounding out the summer, we had So I Married an Axe Murderer came out in July 1993. And again... I still think that's a great movie, especially the repartee. Yeah. Whoa, man. <laughs> and Alan Arkin is the boss of the police chief. He's just, police chief. He's just great. And in also in August 1993, nothing really big came out. We had Hard Target, which was another Van Damme movie that was pretty good, and I saw that at the cinema. It was and the we, first American John Woo film. Yeah. Mm. And we also the only had the good things about those movies are the John Woo director bits when producers weren't on set because they didn't trust him to make a movie because he was a first-time director as far as they were concerned. Mm. And the only times they weren't on set was when he was doing action scenes because they don't matter and they're the only bits, good bits about the film. But anyway, yes. go on. Yeah, and they had the traditional John Woo two guns. Yeah. And we also had uh, The Fugitive, speaking of Tommy Lee Jones, which made $393 million. Blew me away, that movie. Tommy Lee Jones was just a great film. It's a really good yeah. film. I haven't caught it for a long time, though, so I assume it still would hold up to seem like that sort of film. Yeah. Round out the rest of the year with some of the big big names. Okay. All right. Mrs. Doubtfire. That was a good film. Cool Runnings was a big deal. I haven't gone back and watched it since. Last Action Hero. This was Arnie taking on dinosaurs. He came out the week after Jurassic Park because they said, this is going to be a big film. Do you sure you want to go near then? And Arnie's like, nah, I'll take on the dinosaurs. I'll take on Spielberg. Big mistake. Big mistake. 137 million as opposed to 1.4 billion. Yeah. Yeah. Demolition Man came out that year. It was actually quite fun. Still don't Uh, understand the three seashells. Well, that's fair. Uh, Nightmare Before (laughs) Christmas came out, which is iconic and still good. Three Musketeers, because, you know, what's the name? Needed some more money with his songs. Um, Brian Adams. Brian Adams, yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Now, that was the Turtles in time. Falling Down came out that year, which... Oh, really? Yeah, that was great. It was good. I saw a premiere of that. I forget how we got tickets to it. And it was funny because, you know, it's quite, it's confronting as a film, but it's not, it's not seven confronting, but it's confronting. And there was a guy in front of me as we were walking out of the cinema, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, and the guy saying, oh, it was a bit cliche. It was a bit this and a bit that, you know, he's just sort of shitting on it a bit. And then as we walked out, there was a camera there. And you know, when you see the reviews for movies on ads <laughs> where they go, oh, what do you think of the movie? And then they're like, oh, it was amazing. I loved it. It was a thrill ride. They got the guy in front of me he was shitting on it on the way out and he made it on the ad <laughs> and he's shitting like oh powerful it? performances uh, <laughs> oh. it's like you shat on it and then he mm. fucking sold your soul you ass but anyway so anyway yep that that was my little falling down little spiel hot shots part there came out which also came out with naked weapon that came out that year so we had dueling sheens or dueling estevez with their parody comedy movies, Son-in-Law, to keep the Paulie Shaw thing going on, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, which was phenomenal. Anything else here? Super Mario Brothers, which is meant to be so bad, not even good, and I've never seen it, and I don't think I will. Judgment Night, which is probably the greatest soundtrack ever. <laughs> got one great song on it. Anyway, True Romance also came out that year. Okay. Which is absolute corker. Army of Darkness, which is Evil Dead 3, which is a lot of fun. And to round out the year, we had Hulk Hogan starring in A Mr. Nanny. 
Three other movies came out in December that probably should get a mention because they are serious films, and that is Wayne's World 2. No, seriously. Um, Schindler's List came out in December, made $322 million. I still have never seen that movie. Philadelphia came out in December, made $201 million. And a movie that I have seen that didn't make hardly any money, and that's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And that was an awesome movie. I've never seen it. Oh, it's a great film. Leonardo DiCaprio at his best. Really? Yeah, definitely. And Johnny Depp being all hunky Johnny Deppy. But for me, Leonardo just stole that movie. And another movie that we've talked about a lot, and I will go back and watch periodically, and that's Tombstone, came out on Christmas Day in December 1993. Yeah, cool, film. Yep. Just, just watch it. Great. Yeah, I'll be a huckleberry any day. Yeah. Kurt Russell with great hair and an awesome moustache. It's all you yes. need. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Now, 1994 was a strange year. We had a lot of movies that I made a habit of going to see multiple times. And one of those came out in May 1994, and that was The Crow. So go back to yeah, our A to Zs. We talked about this in depth. And you know, it's a movie I've seen the most out of cinemas during its first run. Yeah, I would probably almost go that far as well. We also had Beverly Hawks Cop 3 that came out, made $119 million. But something that I have never seen at, at all, not alone at the cinemas, but the Flintstones movie came out in May 1994 and made $358 million in the box I saw that. It's terrible. I can't see why that made so much money, but... Yeah, family movie would have came out in the summer and that's what the fam- kids would have seen. Because looking at the rest of the list, there's not a lot for kids. So well, you know, Lion King, to- obviously, is number one. Yeah, so when year. we moved to June, so Lion King came out and made $986 million, and that is actually the number five all-time 1990s movie. Another big movie that came out in July of 1994, and that was Forrest Gump, made $679 million. I didn't see that at the cinema. I saw that much later on video, and I again, Me I don't too. know why I missed that. Everyone raved about it, but I didn't see it until probably 10 years after. I saw it years later because, yeah, I think I was getting into some cinema nerds and also sci-fi nerd friends, and that was sort like, yeah, it's a bit bullshitty retelling American history in the positive light. Mm. It's not true, you know, but I think it was this, not the stigma that came with it, but everyone's saying, oh, this is great. But it's like, well, it's not. It's, it's fantasy. As long as you acknowledge the fantasy because it's not true, it wasn't like that. But yeah, so I, I was sort of poo-pooing it before I even saw it. When I saw it, it was like, yeah, technical achievement, it was fine. I didn't care. and I, It has no resonance with me whatsoever. Something that I did see at the cinema and I really enjoyed came out in July of 1994, and that's The Mask with yes. Jim Carrey as Stanley Ibkiss. Uh, that made $351 million. I think I saw a premiere of that as well. And it was the introduction of me to Cameron Diaz going, oh, wow. Mm. I was a bit like Jim Carrey as the wolf when my tongue rolled out onto the table, that sort of thing. Yeah. In August of 1994, didn't make a lot of money, but Natural Born Killers made $50 million. So any other big movies from 1994? Well, we also had. So as far as, like, that's the thing. So Lion King was a big one for kids, but Flintstones was the only other thing from what I can gather because we also did have... Ace Ventura that year. But that was probably a more older than children's sort of film. But what we did have, it was a Jim Carrey renaissance. We had Dumb and Dumber as well. Not renaissance, oh, what, the birth of. What a great movie Dumb and Dumber came out then. We had the next Naked Gun film, Shawshank Redemption, which obviously was the closet grower that has become in everyone's top five list since, but it wasn't a big earner that year. Star Trek Generations also came out, which was the first of the next generation movies which was kind of disappointing stargate interview with a vampire but the big action films i remember at the time was true lies and speed oh okay yeah yeah but probably the big film from looking at that year as a film the big one that we take away from it going that was a year besides shawshank which is up there street fire oh okay (laughs) 
Yes. Yep. So that's ninety four. Let's go. Ninety five. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, I actually took a day off work so I could go and watch Pulp Fiction on release. First first session, first oh, day really? it was released. Yeah. So what did you see Reservoir Dogs by this point? I had seen Reservoir Dogs by that okay, point. Okay, so that's what got you in. Yeah. What about True Romance? True Romance. Yeah, True Romance was one of my favourite films. So yeah, but Pulp Fiction yeah, by that so stage, I think Tarantino was very much a. He is the man. This is what you've got to see. And yeah, I, I can remember taking the Thursday off work when it first released, going to see it at a ten o'clock in the morning session, and just thinking, "Yep, this is for me." Yeah, I I, can't, I think I saw it early, but I don't. I remember seeing a poster because a comic shop I used to go to had a poster up on the wall, and I'm looking at this thing, not knowing what it was, and it was the is there Uma Thurman laying on the bed yep. and all the names, and there's Bruce Willis, Harvey Keitel, and just all these names. It's like, what's this movie? When did it come out? And it hadn't come out yet, but they were promoting it. But it's like, what is this thing? And I knew nothing about it. Didn't know it was coming. And, and looking at the cast, it's going, this is pretty amazing, but what is it? And then by the time the movie did come out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is all good. Yeah. But um, it just was like, uh, the soundtrack probably blew me away a little bit because it was a, a mixed audience in the crowd too. Like I would have been 22 at this point. And just, yeah, the, there were old people in the crowd. When I, they were probably 40. But it was sort of like, but this woman was singing along to Preacher Man. It's like, would you shut up? <laughs> But she's just really getting into the film, but yeah. Well, yeah, the, speaking speaking back of my friend Nick that we mentioned before, we saw Pop Fiction together at a different session. I think it was probably the second time that I saw it. And when Son of a Preacher Man first came on, he thought it was Cypress Hill hits from the bong because they used that <laughs> sample. And as soon as that sort of bit started, he just yelled out, hits from the bong, really loudly in the <laughs> cinema. So, yes. <laughs> and then lost his CD. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to Nick, if you're still listening. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to 1995? Yeah, 1995. 19, 19, or is that May, 85? Yeah, it probably was 85. May 1995, we had a big moneymaker for Die Hard with a Vengeance, which came out and made $366 million. Yep. And the, the two other big movies from May 1995, I'm going to throw two figures out here, and then I'll tell you two movies, and you can tell me which one you yep. think is which. So... One of the movies made $209 million and one of them made $282 million. And the choices are Braveheart or Casper. Yeah, well, so, I'm, I think it's the way you asked that. I'm assuming Casper made more. Yeah, who would have thought that? Well, uh, if the Flintstones can make that much, I'm assuming kids' films sell. And when there's got nothing else. And it had Macaulay Culkin in it. Mm. That's all I can think of. Casper the Dead Baby. $282 yeah. million in the box office. Moving on to June of 1995, we had Batman Forever, which was $336 million. Now, which one's Batman Forever? Is that the one with Mr. Freeze? Uh, no. That's Batman and Robin. This is with Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, okay. Yes. I yeah, Riddler and Two-Face. Judge Dredd made $113 million. I can remember seeing that at the box office, even though I wasn't a huge Judge Dredd fan. I had read the comic a couple of times, but I didn't really know the story. I am not. We had the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie that only made $37 million. Oh, Well, they got some of my money because I went and saw it at the cinemas mm. with a Dis- friend of mine. Disney made in money? Sydney, and my friend worked on it. Hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, Disney made some more money with Pocahontas, $347 million. Yep. Mm-hmm. We had another $335 million for Apollo 13. I guess those history movies do make a lot of money because people understand them. 
Yep, but no, it's a big moment in American history too. Yeah, I guess it is. And uh, a couple of other movies from June 1995, when I was in my starting to go to art house cinema movies, uh, going to the Nova and going to a couple of the other, was it the Luminaire that was in Collins Street? I don't think Lumiere, it's even there. Yeah. Lumiere. Yeah, but a Smoke came out in June of 1995, which was Harvey uh-huh. Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Running a cigar store in New York and a few yeah, other things. Yeah, I just names. didn't get it. Oh, there was, I like my art house cinema, but there were levels, and that was where it was sort of like, nah, for me. So I've still never seen it. It's probably great. I get it. I just never bothered. I can remember bits of it quite vividly. They're like, there's a guy in it that is obsessed with plastic bags in trees. I, I don't really remember why I remember that, but yeah. You love plastic bags. You love that bit in American Beauty. Yes. But yeah, Harvey Keitel beautiful was. Beautiful thing. Uh, Harvey Keitel was the main actor in that. We also had uh, Forrest Whitaker, Stockard Channing, who is uh, Rizzo from Greece. Giancarlo Esposito, who went on to be the bad guy in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah one of those early art house movies that i really dug so yeah hmm. anyway you're talking darth gideon from the mandalorian is that what you're talking about yes that's what i'm talking about mm-hmm. All right, moving cool. on to july of 1995 we had species with what's it natasha henstrick yep the alien movie that was quite good was probably, it? Well, i think it was i, I don't remember <laughs> i haven't really gone back don't. another movie that is probably one of my all-time favorite 90s movies and that is clueless came out in july of 1995 we had free willy 2 not that anyone really cares about free willy 2 i think free willy was a good movie but i'm not sure about the second one operation mm-hmm. dumbo drop which is the only good thing about that movie is it's a euphemism <laughs> for when you <laughs> have movie titles that sound like going to the toilet yes <laughs> <laughs> Waterworld made $264 million. Yeah, which actually art. isn't bad. It's been on telly a few times lately, and I catch myself watching it all the time, and it's like, it's actually pretty good. It's a film. They've done well. Mm. They made an effort. They cared. And anyway, go. Maybe. Uh, another very arthouse movie that I saw at the cinema and I really loved, and that was Harmony Corinne's Kids. That came out in 95. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that, but it is quite a confronting nope. movie. And, yeah, that's probably moving on to August of 95. There's a, another couple of movies that I definitely saw in the cinema. I saw Babe, and that made $246 million. And Mortal Kombat came out. And I, I'm sure one day Mortal we're going to... We're going to do an episode about what's better, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. But yeah, Mortal Kombat movie made a hundred movie. No question. Yeah, I, I think Mortal Kombat is a better movie, and Street Fighter is yes. a better game. But yes, Mortal Kombat came out and made 122 million. So, okay. Summer, that's the movies. Oh, actually, okay. The Usual Suspects also came out in August of 1995 too. But yes. again, I don't know if I can go back and watch that now with the fact problematic. that Kevin Spacey has tainted that and directed by Brian Singer. Mm. Yeah, so it's funny because this is when I met a mate. He was working at the comic shop, Isaac, and we were going to the movies. It was a bit of a cinephile. That was great. So we were seeing films and we were seeing Dumb and Dumbers and things like that. And that was great. And then he started, he went to uni and started studying film. And then all of a sudden, we weren't seeing Dumb and Dumber anymore. I was seeing that with other friends because he wasn't seeing those sort of films anymore. But he was the one who introduced me to Usual Suspects. And it was like, yes, thank you very much. So it was good. I still like my dumb stuff. But other things that came out this year that we can talk about, Golden A, which I still haven't seen. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's a good. I heard it's good. Mm. But as far as the newer Bonds it. go, it's a, it's a good one. Yep. We've got Dangerous Minds. Mm-hmm. Bit of Coolio for you. Seven. The, you know, I definitely saw that pictures. Jumanji came out, which was quite. What was the I mean, a lot of. Yeah, it was like a lot of really good CG for its time. You look at it now, it's embarrassing. But everything looked so good, I thought at the time, 
except the spiders look terrible. They look like literally balloons with straws stuck on them. But I thought maybe because everything else looks so good and realistic, realistic spiders would probably be a bad idea for a kids' film. Mm. So that's why I thought they looked so terrible. But yeah, I think going back and watching it now, it all looks terrible. A movie that I think might resonate with you, I've never seen it, but it just seemed like right up your alley at the time. That's Tommy Boy. Yes. Yeah. I, I went through a bit of a stage of seeing the David Spade Chris Valley films. films. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. And the other one that came out, which I still haven't seen and I probably should because it's very highly rated and that's Casino. Hmm. See, I was never really into gangster movies, so I haven't seen that either. Hmm. 96. Let's go. All right. Home so some, now. Come some on. good ones in 96. So May 1996, we had... Trainspotting came out and made $71 million. Now, Trainspotting is yep. another one of those movies where I don't know where I knew about it, but it was one thing that I was like, yes, I have to go and see this opening night. And it was not like any other cinema that was around. It was very much not a Hollywood movie when it came out. And it was like, this is the gritty realism of Edinburgh in the 80s. And it was like, yeah, this is a great film. Now, I, I don't know about you, but it, it just pushed the right buttons for me. Didn't make a lot you of money. You had a lustful life. I did, yeah. Making a lot of money, though, in yeah. May 1995. Twister made $495 million. And again, I didn't yep. see that cinema, but I saw that much later and I quite liked it. Mission Impossible, the first one, made $464 million. And other big movies that came out in May, we had Dragonheart, the movie with Sean Connery voicing Sean the dragon. Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Just being Sean Connery, really, that only made 104 million, but I can definitely remember seeing that in the cinema. And another one of those art house films, Dead Man, the is it Jim Jarmusch? Jim Jarmusch, with mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Depp being the uh, the cowboy accountant. Yeah, I saw that on video, and I just didn't get it. Mm. <laughs> Because I didn't have IMDb or Wiki to explain what I should be getting out of this going, I don't get it. Yeah. Why is Iggy Pop wearing a dress? Should it why, matter? Why isn't he? Yes. I just didn't understand. And that, that that was my friend, actually, who became, you know, he stopped seeing films. So he didn't see Twister with me that year. I was like, no, I don't see those films anymore. And then he was <laughs> raving about Dead Man. So when it came out on video, I watched Dead Man going, all right, let's see this film. And no, I just didn't get it. I was, well, way too immature. I, I'd improved but I was still not there yet. It's like, you know, Firewalk with me when I was talking about Twin Peaks. I was definitely not ready to see it then. I'm so glad I waited to see it now you know, in the last few years. So, yeah, maybe I should rewatch Dead Man. Maybe you should. I might get something out of it now. Mm. Okay, so And June... maybe at the cinemas it might have been better too. Maybe. Than not a know. boxy 31-centimeter TV on VHS. Just doesn't do it justice. All right. We had a couple of big money makers in June of 1996, and one of them was The Rock, which made $336 million. Mm-hmm. Which now this yeah. is Michael Bay. That's this is the yes. birth of Michael Bay mm. Mm. when he moved away from doing videos to natural proper movies yep. instead of music videos. We also had The Nutty Professor came out in June '96, made 273 million. I went to the premiere of that too. When I say I go to the premiere, not the you know black tie event. We're talking press screening and get people to get buzz going sort of premiere. And it's the only time I've seen the PR guy from the movie company come out and say, Eddie Murphy once said he can never make a bad film. I think this movie proves him wrong. (laughs) Yes, I I think he does Wow, way to sell a film. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you like fart gags, my joke for this movie was, how many fart gags can you fit into a movie? Always one more. That was this movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to July of 96, we have the number four grossing, highest grossing movie of all of the 90s, and that's Independence Day, made uh, 817 million. Yep. When did Uh, you see it? Much later. I didn't see this at the cinema. Yeah. I I don't know why I didn't see it because I was a bit of a sci-fi nerd. Maybe it was because 
I was like your friend and I was stuck in that. I'm only going to go and see art house movies for a while. But um, well, I, was, yeah. I was all in, all in, took the day off the next day, went and saw the midnight screening, bought the fucking toys before I saw the film because I was so excited for it, regretted it two hours after I started the movie. Yeah. <laughs> going, I've got these toys. Awesome. I don't want them anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a spectacle, and that's what it was, but it was just a bit dumb. But anyway, it did what it did. Yes, and rounding out the summer in August of 1996, we had Escape from L.A., which was nowhere near as good as Escape from New York, but it was still Kurt Russell with a pretty cool mullet. I hated it at the time because I loved my memory of the original was awesome. Went into it going wanting something really cool, and it was just cheap. It felt cheap. But it was on tally not long ago, and I caught bits of it and was like, this isn't too bad. Except the bit where he surfs that big wave at the end. Wow. Yeah, this is the problem with technology is that computer graphics were starting to come in. And the thing with um, Jurassic Park was Spielberg knew how to use the and used it sparingly. It's just other people go, I can do that. We can use these. And it's like, sometimes you just shouldn't go back to practical or just don't. But yeah. Yeah. And also in August of 1996, speaking of movies that probably shouldn't have been made, The Crow City of Angels. I I don't think they needed another crow, but hell, if you can make the money, do it. They've made so many more since. Yes, they have. Mm. But yeah, that's summer. I don't know what else came out in 1996. Well, let's have a look. The Birdcage was a great film with Robert Williams and Nathan Lang. Eraser proved that Arnie was on his way out. Space Jam made a lot of money and people are still nostalgic for it for some reason, but I was just not the big basketball fan that other people were. Broken Arrow was Samantha Mathis and Christian Slater together again since Pump Up the Volume. Love that movie. Romeo and Juliet came out. Happy Gilmore. So it was the birth of Adam Sandler's movie career. Oh, actually, I didn't. I never. Well, Airheads or something. It was probably before that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Long Kiss Goodnight came out, which was really good. Mars Attacks was Tim Burton doing something crazy and funny, but I just wanted it to be more than it was. But I think it was exactly what it should have been. Looking back, from Dust Till Dawn blew me away. Two different movies like, jammed together. What is this? Not knowing anything about it and loving the fact that I didn't and went in and got blown away by it. Kingpin, if you like your bowling films. Yes. And and The Craft, which would have been right up your alley, I reckon, back then. Mm. With Frozen Book. Mm. And one thing I did catch at the cinema at the time, because I was getting a bit into the old Jackie Chan, that was my alternative cinema as opposed to Art House, but Rumble in the Bronx sort of got a bit of a release, That was which was kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to 1997 now? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so... You're kind of preempting me there because, firstly, we will talk about May of 1997, and not that it was a huge film; it didn't make a lot of money. But the first Austin Powers, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, and again, this was kind of like people had seen Wayne's World, they knew who Mike Myers was, and it was like, mm, let's take a bit of a risk. Obviously, it didn't make a lot, but what they came from that was probably the start of the ball rolling from. Mike Myers becoming the star that he is now. Star that he yep. was, but he's kind of faded. We also had The Fifth Element, which made $263 million. Still I very much movie. Holds up beautifully. I very much saw this at the cinema, and it was one of those films where I was totally confused for 80% of the movie, but I didn't care. It was just the visual of it, the fact that everything was so different to what I'd seen before. Yeah, it was just so committed to it that you didn't question I didn't question it. It was like, it just is. So like, okay. But I'm thinking, how is this a film? How did I, how is this not talked about more by people? This is amazing. Yeah. People should know about this. Yeah. So was this Luke Besson's big breakthrough in the American box office or had he done other movies? <sighs> 
I think um, Subway, I think, and the Big Blue and Nikita. He'd oh, done yeah. things. Yep. But even this wasn't that big. I thought it would be bigger, and I thought it would make him make bigger films, but he really didn't. Actually, so he'd, he hasn't. he'd probably done the professional or Leon, depending on what country you watched oh, yes, yes, yes. before that. That so, would have yeah. been before this. Yeah. Hmm. But, yeah, it was just completely different to other movies as far as just the look of the costumes, the way the effects were done. But I love it. I, I thought Bruce Willis was great. Mila Djokovic was great. I even think that Chris Tucker was really good, despite the fact that a lot of people don't like him in this movie. Well, he was meant to be not liked. I didn't realise that. I didn't mind him. Yep. But Luke Besson made a character who goes, oh, we need someone we don't like in the movie. And he actually put the character in for that reason. But I was like, oh, I didn't have a problem with <laughs> Me either. I liked him. Tiny Lister as the um, the president was a little bit of a stretch if you're a wrestling fan. Well, to me, I didn't know him as that, so it was fine. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. But again, it made a lot of money in the box office, but nowhere near as much as Lost World Jurassic Park 2 that made $618 million. And that is actually the number eight highest grossing movie of the 90s as well. Again, I didn't see this at the cinema at the time, but I have gone back and watched it since. Again, I, yeah, d- I don't know why. Yeah, it's just the weakest sequel. It's just whatever. It's just, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, June of 1997, we had Speed 2, which it was nowhere near as the first Cruise one. Control. No. Yep. No Keanu. Disney were making a bit of money with the Hercules movie. That made $250 million. Con Air made $224 million. And the, I, I watch this quite regularly because even though it is a crappy action movie, it still does something for me. I just love Nicolas Cage's mullet in this. And just that line where they're dancing on the plane and they're dancing to Sweet Home Alabama and Steve Buscemi just sits there and goes, the definition of irony is listening to the, uh, people dancing to this song on an aeroplane. And yeah, mm-hmm. just something about that movie. Great. Fair enough. I've only seen it the once. And I think it was ah, on video. Another big action movie that came out in June of 1997, and that was Face Off. That made $281 million. And uh, I don't know if that holds up because I haven't watched that in a long time, but I can imagine that I... it probably doesn't. I really dug it at the time. I'm scared to go back now because it is it's sort of the, a thinking man's action film and I don't think it is <laughs> at the time I thought it was, but probably isn't. But yeah, I really dug it at the time. It was cool. It was John Woo and I was really getting into John Woo and watching his old hard-boiled and things like that and The Killer, watching his Hong Kong films. But yeah, I, I dug it. It was during the whole two-gun thing going on, you know, yep. Yep. jumping sideways with two guns or holding the gun on its angle on the side. Yeah. <gasps> So cool. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to lose us some listeners here, but also that came out in June 1997. My favourite of the Batman movies of the 90s was Batman and Robin. What? (laughs) (laughs) Why? I think probably Alicia Silverstone. And yeah, Alicia Silverstone, Jeep Svensson. I don't know, but I, I just love this movie. Uh, I think George Clooney makes a really good Bruce Wayne. I'm not sure if he made a great Batman. I'm not I sure was if he's a great Batman. stuff to do as Batman. Mm. <sighs> but I don't know. Yeah, I, I caught, I like caught it recently because I hated these movies because they didn't, they were so stupid. But looking back, it's like, no, you had a go. You, you shot for the stars on this. You went nuts with the design, with the ideas, and you had a smack at making a comic book movie. And it's not good, but yet at least he tried. You can make, there's plenty of boring films out there. He didn't do that. 
But there was just some, some – the bad stuff is when you got Arnie in and he's in his contract, he can write his own lines. So he's nice doing to all see these puns. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that hurts. George, I feel sorry for George because everyone agrees that he's the worst Batman and he was given terrible stuff to do. Chris O'Donnell's annoying as a whiny Robin. And it was just – yeah, it, it could have been better. But, yeah, it, it was a film by committee by the look of it in the end. Like, Shoemaker did what he could to direct, but in the end, it's Warner Brothers as a commercial product saying, we need to sell toys, go out and make another Batman film. Yep. It was, yeah, yeah. So it's I still, believe it's your favourite. But anyway. uh, it, it still made $238 million, so. Oh, it made a lot of money. It's probably, it was the biggest grossing of the Batman films to the date, I think, until the Nolans. The Nolans, exactly. Well, it did make money, but nowhere near as much as the movie that came out on the 1st of July, 1997, and that was Men in Black. And that made 587 minutes. Good movie. A lot of fun. Yeah, as I said on the last episode, I've just started re-watching them with my kids and it still holds up. The first one especially is still a good movie. The effects in it aren't great, but watching Vincent D'Onofrio walk around in the Edgar suit still cracks me up every time I watch it. Yes. We also had Air Force One, which made 315 million. I didn't see that at the cinema, but I have watched it now. And I I think I watched it fairly recently because it was on telly and I caught the end of it. And I was just amazed at the people that are in it that are big names now, but were probably nothing. Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Like, what else had he done? But obviously, Gary Oldman was in it. William H. Macy. And Dean Stockwell. So, yeah, some big names. Glenn Close, Tom Everett. I could go on, but I won't. But, yeah. I, I think Harrison Ford makes a good president. I don't know. I don't know if it's well, great. Well, he's a grumpy old man with authority. He's very good at that. We also had the Spawn movie came out in July of 1997. Oh, so wanted to love that movie. I was a fan. I knew the comics. And the problem was, I, I love the comics because it was Sun McFarlane. It was Image. It was new. It was the bad boys of comics making these, you know, comic books and doing all this sort of shit. And pretty much the first 10 issues of the comic. And the problem is the first editions of the comics are pretty shit too. So it was a very faithful movie to the comics in that way. And they had a go. And there's meant to be another one coming out. And Todd McFarlane's been talking about it for years. That they're going to make an R-rated true-to-life Spawn movie. It's like, well, good. But the best thing to come out of that movie... Soundtrack? Is the soundtrack, yes. <laughs> Yes. Like Judgment Night before that, yes, the soundtrack is killer, where they got hip-hop and metal acts to collaborate together, and one of the songs on that soundtrack is what I use as my wrestling entrance music, so yeah. Mm. And we won't mention what it was, people can go and Google the, the actual soundtrack and they can work it out, but it's not the one by Crystal Method and Filter. <laughs> no. All right, August 1997, we had a couple of fairly good movies that didn't make a lot of money in the box office, but The Full Monty made $261 million. Did you ever see that at the cinema? Full Monty? No. It's one of those very English comedies that you can watch now, and you don't know if it was made in the 90s or whether it was made in the 80s or whether it's meant to be set in the 80s. It's just very dated, I think. Brown. Yep. Brown, Yeah. But yeah. it was a good movie. I liked it. Still holds up. And we also had another movie that's probably not going to be breaking any box office records, and that was Cull the Conqueror that came out. <laughs> yeah. I saw I that in the movies. <laughs> I can remember seeing that at the movies as well with Kevin Sorbo. Yep, because they couldn't do it. They wanted to make another Conan film, and Arnie wasn't up for it, and no one, they couldn't get the rights or something. So I was like, get that Hercules guy, and we'll do Cull, which was another Edgar Rice Burroughs character, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it was terrible. Is that when a horse and cart blew up when it went over the side of a, a mountain? So it probably was. Anything else of big names in 1997 we should probably Just mention? looking at the list here. Oh, Starship yeah, actually, Troopers. Yes. Oh, there's definitely one we don't need to mention. So the highest box office 
selling movie of all time of the 1990s came out in 1997 and that was titanic yeah yeah so we probably should mention that i, I never saw that at the cinema we've mentioned it i'm just looking at the list of the growthings for the year mm-hmm. and they re-released the star wars films this year the original trilogy and they made like 60 million dollars each Again, God, that just made money. Money, Probably because by that stage, people were just yearning for more Star Wars. It had been a long time. They weren't. Oh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Never saw it. No, I don't think I've seen that one either. Relic, which was Del Toro's first American film, I think. Mm -hmm. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. I love that movie. Gross Point Blank. We've talked about that recently. Yes. Mm, Boogie Nights. So some other big movies there that didn't quite meet the summer criteria but still good movies important to us Hmm. all right let's move on 1998 so summer of 1998 we had some pretty big movies came out Uh, we also had (laughs) the first of the meteor movies which was deep impact which made 349 million don't want to miss a thing all right we had fear and loathing in las vegas came out in may of 1998 it was on telly two days ago i watched it again i love that movie absolutely adore it but yeah Crazy. And a movie that made a lot of money and $376 million, to be precise, was Godzilla. My first date movie with my now wife. Okay, moving on to June of 1998. A couple of movies that made a lot of money that I didn't see at the cinema. I don't know why, but The Truman Show made $264 million. Disney's Mulan made $303 million. I, I probably wasn't into Disney movies by 1998. No, I, I wouldn't didn't care. Dr. Doolittle made $294 million, But a movie that I did see at the cinema, but it didn't make hardly any money, is a little black comedy by the name of Buffalo 66, starring Christina Ricci. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I haven't. Yeah, Christina Ricci, Kevin Pollock, Vincent Gallo, Mickey Rourke's in it for a little bit. Strange, very much art house movie. But yeah, I can remember seeing that in the cinema. I was thinking you got your ears wrong. And Buffalo Soldiers, I think it is, which is the other Hunter S. Thompson movie like Fear and Loathing with Bill Murray. Yep. But that's from like 1982 or something, and that's no, way out. But, of no, but no, Buffalo 66. It's Buffalo 66. Yeah, okay. Very art house movie about a troubled man who falls in love with Christina Ricci, even though she's quite young. But yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Moving on to July of 1998, one of the big movies, the number 10 of the top grossing movies of the 90s, and the other asteroid film is Armageddon, made $554 million. Lethal Weapon 4 made $285 million. Don't think I saw it. I gave up by that point. That is one, that I Jet remember. One? Yeah, it is the Jet Li one. Mm. I remember it sort of – Lethal Weapon 3 was kind of good, but then Lethal Weapon 4 kind of fell off a little bit, but the Jet Li bits were good. I think they were just yeah. cashing in on the fact that he was popular in Asian cinema and they wanted to put him in a Western release. Now, it, making a lot of money, which is quite weird for a comedy, but $369 million was there something about Mary? And that was huge. Because it was that sort of – gross humor that became very popular in the late 90s and it was before the days of the internet where people would see a movie and just watch the clips on youtube you had to go and see it at the cinema to see what she had in her hair instead of yes yeah yes Uh, also in july of 1994 i've never actually seen this movie which is saving private ryan made 485 million it was pretty confronting when i saw it i can tell you now the other end of the spectrum, Basketball, made by the guys that made South Park, made just over $7 million in the cinema. Mm. And wow. rounding out the summer, Troll 2 came out, direct-to-video. 
not that I saw that, but uh, it, it, what is it? The worst movie of all time or the worst movie ever made? I think best worst uh, movie or worst yeah. best movie? Yeah. You don't piss on humanity. No. And the first Blade movie also came out in August of 1998. Started and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've spoken of this before, but I, I've never seen a Blade movie at the cinema. So I, I just okay. don't get Blade. So, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Now we've got a couple of other notable films that came out that year. The Big Lebowski. Because it really ties yeah. the room together. It does. Mighty Joe Young. Oh, I saw this at the drive-in and I was making that car move. Not for the reason you'd think, because I absolutely adore gorillas. And at the end, when Joe was saving the people, it's like, go, Joe, go, Joe. I was getting really excited because you can scream and yell in your own car in a drive-in. It's really cool. The Avengers. The Uma Thurman one, not, not the, the Marvel yes. one. Yes. The best scene in that was all the people in the teddy bear costume sitting around a board table. Very strange. Apart from that, not good at all. Something that we have talked about with each other. I don't know if we talked on the podcast, but another movie that I loved for that year was The Big Hit. Ah, I didn't see that at the cinema. I've seen that video many times since. Night at the Roxbury, which was Will Ferrell before he was Will Ferrell, really. Especially to us here. He was probably a... Um, big staple on Saturday Night Live in America, but in Australia, we really weren't getting in here. I think we probably had Foxtel on that back then, but he wasn't the name that he is now. The Wedding Singer, speaking of comedies that did well, Saturday Night Alumni. I think by that stage that Sandler had actually set himself to be more than just a bit of a pure old humour, and he was actually making movies that had mass appeal. Yes, and and it was quite funny. Obviously, um, we had the two Asteroid movies coming in. We also got the two Bugs movies this year with Bugs Life and the Ants coming out. And because I was a contrarian dickhead, I was like, oh, yeah, no, Ants, I like that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dickhead. And it, no. Anyway. We'll round out the decade with 1999. Yeah. So in May of The greatest of year of cinema history ever. Right. I'm not sure. There is some really big movies that came out in the summer of 1999. One of them was yeah. The Mummy, making $416 million. Yep. But also coming out that year was big Star Daddy Wars Wills, Episode yeah. 1. Oh, oh no, no we, we won't mention that. But no, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, which broke multitude of box office records. It is the number two highest grossing movie all of the 90s. And I think it made about $924 million. I oh, saw man. this in the cinema. I didn't like it at the time but I've gone back and watched it since and I can appreciate it as a Star Wars fan. I think poor old Ahmed Best gets a lot of flack for Jar Jar Binks, but I don't think he is as bad as everyone says he is. I think if you were looking as an adult for when we saw Star Wars, you would probably find some of the jokes don't hit as an adult. And I think that's the same for Jar Jar Binks here as an adult watching a Star Wars movie in the 90s. It's not a perfect film by any stretch. And the problem was, and I think I spoke about it on the podcast before, it's George going, I want to revolutionise cinema. So I'm going to do a totally CG character. We're going to have all these CG robots. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. We hadn't really seen battles of computer-generated characters before. So the Gungans versus the droids at the end was a technical amazement it really was but it doesn't mean it was good and it wasn't until you know battle of helms deep or something like that where peter jackson directed it better but he tried i'll give him that he tried you look at the first three star wars films and they're pretty simple little films and they're great 
I love them. I still love them to this day. What he did with The Phantom Menace, he tried to tell a complex story. He tried to revolutionize special effects. He pushed the limits of what could be done with cinema. Doesn't make it a great film sometimes. It's like he tried. And that's the only thing I'll give him credit for. He could have gone back and made the same movie. And you could argue that he sort of did with the plot wise. But he tried to tell a plot. He tried to tell a story. And and it wasn't the smartest, but he tried to say, oh, no, this was a whole machinations of this bad guy and all this stuff's going on. And it's a lot different to the original trilogy when it comes to that. But he had a go. And that's the only thing I'll give him him credit for that, that he tried and it was his to try with. And it's not as bad as you remember, but it's still not the roller coaster fun ride that you want to sit down and go, oh, yeah, I've got two and a half hours to go. Let's throw on the Phantom Menace. It just doesn't do it that way. So rounding out the summer, we had Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, which made $312 million. So did a lot better than the first one did. I can remember seeing this at the cinema and thinking, yep, this is a good film even though there was probably some problems with this one that they didn't have in the others. And looking back at it now, some of the characters are a little bit iffy, mm. but still quite a good film. Uh, we have Wild Wild West, which made $221 million. That's pretty shit. It really, I don't mind it, but I haven't seen it for a very really? long time. So yeah. I saw it the once. I do remember, I forget what we were watching. We're at the cinemas and there was a trailer for it at the start. And the people in front of us said, watching this movie and the trailer's there and they're like, oh, this looks like crap. Oh, this looks like shit. Oh, yeah, whatever. And the last bit of the trailer is the big steampunky giant spider yep. walking. And I go, oh, that spidery thing looks all right. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's like, oh, they're sold. Like, it does hey, look all right. Cool. Yeah. But something that I definitely did see at the cinema and – Really, really enjoy, and that South Park bigger, longer, and uncut. That only made oh, fifty-two million. Shut, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. <laughs> I can remember being a big South Park fan by the time this came out, and I think I was in that same boat that every other South Park fan was. And we were sitting there going, "What are we going to get? What are we going to get?" And just when they came out there with that Uncle Fucker song, and it was. <laughs> Yes, we're not going to be able to be sensitive. We're just going out and we're going to drop as many F-bombs as we can. And I can just remember sitting there going, yes, I'm glad I've seen this movie. (laughs) Culturally, it's probably not a great film. Probably doesn't hold up now. But at the Mm. time, I loved it. Yeah. All right. So moving on to July of 1999, we had the first American Pie movie, which made $234 million. I'm not sure if I... did see this at the cinema or not, or whether I saw it later on video. It's no, I definitely pro- saw it at the cinemas. It's problematic now. Yeah, yeah, mm. it doesn't hold up. Uh, the Blair Witch Project made $248 million. I can remember Never seeing this at the it. cinema and feeling a bit ill. It was one of the oh, okay. first really big commercial, successful found footage type movies with those sort of videos jumping yeah. around. I don't know if it was great, but people rave about it. I, I'm not a huge fan. Never Um, seen it because I knew about it months before and it took ages to get to Australia. So by the time it was here, it was so hyped. I can't see this movie. It's it's ruined for me. But yeah, so I just I still haven't seen it. No, moving on. uh, August of 1999, a movie that we actually saw together, which possibly may have even been the first time we went to the movies. And that's The Iron Giant. Ah, yes. Uh, I think that was yes, the first we, movie we saw together. I think so. It was. I wanted to see this movie for some reason. I hadn't got around to it, and it was the very last session to play. It was running out of its time, and the only session was the one in Moorabbin, which if anyone knows where I live and where Moorabbin is, it's like li- literally the <laughs> furthest point in Metro Melbourne from my place. I'm Metro. It's the other side. Um, not too bad from your place, but it was an 11 o'clock session. That was the only session left 
before it was gone from the cinemas. So a few of us went and saw it, this 11 yeah. o'clock session on the other side of town. And there's like four guys at the end, not looking at each other at the movie. Cause we're <laughs> <laughs> Love yeah, that movie. Definitely. Uh, we also had the sixth sense, which I didn't see at the cinema, but I saw much later and I already knew the spoiler by the time I saw it. So maybe it didn't have the right effect on me, but that made 672 million in the box office. And that was actually the seventh highest grossing movie of the nineties. Mm-hmm. And we also had that didn't make a hell of a lot of money in that universal soldier Two: the return with uh, Bill Goldberg. Was that with Goldberg? It yes. was. Yes. Where they had to make up over his tattoo. I don't know why, but yep. But yeah, Michael Jai mm-hmm. White was the main bad guy. John Claude Van Damme was back. Not quite as good as the first one, but still pretty good to see it in the cinema. Yeah. All right. So you talk so about 1999 being one of the best years of cinema. So what else came out in 1999? Yeah, so let's have a look what we got here. Pushing 10. Did all right. It's working, trying to wake my way up here. Is that the golf movie or is that the... The flying one. The flying one the, with the air traffic controllers. Yeah. Mm. Uh, tin Cup, you're thinking of. Yes, I was confusing yeah. with Tin Cup, exactly. Yes, now, Waterboy, which I still find hilarious. I don't know what it is about people, just the hits in that movie, I think is funny. I still it's Rob Schneider just, just going, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I, I just found it so freaking stupid. I, I still find it funny. And that's my secret shame. We had Star Trek Insurrection. We had Rushmore, which was the start of Wes Anderson's career. Galaxy Quest came out that year, which I adore as a film and can watch it again and again. The Faculty, which was a fun film. You've mentioned Iron Giant. Dogma came out from Kevin Smith. Mystery Men, which was so much potential, but not really good. Lake Placid. If you haven't seen Lake Placid, do yourself a favor. It's really fun. The 13th Warrior. Again, terrible name, but he's of the Dead, which was, was going to be its other title, probably still a bad name as well, but it's actually a really enjoyable adventure film. 8mm, which is very, it's not a fun film, that's for sure. Fight Club came out that year. Great film. 10 Things I Hate About You, Cruel Intentions, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. If that doesn't push it up to some of the best movies ever, I don't know what doesn't. Well, you can also mention one of my favourite movies from the 90s, and that's 200 Cigarettes. And I think that's the movie that started my love for Paul Rudd. So that came out, <laughs> that came out in February of 1999. Yep, Three Kings was a great film that came out that year as well. The Green Mile, which Darabont hasn't made too many films, but he seems to do a good job when it comes to Stephen King. American Beauty, speaking of plastic bags that you like. Yeah, Pokemon, the very first Pokemon movie came out. Wow. Yeah, Shakespeare in Love, which won the Academy Award. There was the a really, World is Not Enough, which is a really bad James Bond film. Yeah. Notting Hill, which is all oh, that Hugh Grant. He's just so dreamy in English. But then we get up there with Toy Story 2, The Matrix, and yeah. Well, maybe it's not the best year ever. It's good. <laughs> good. Well, just just Bigelow your maybe list. pushes it over the edge. Mm, well, there was a little movie called Bats that came out in October of 1999, which is a horror movie starring Lou Diamond Phillips, which okay. I actually didn't see at the cinema, but I have seen on video since. But I can recommend that if you want a cheesy horror movie with Lou Diamond Phillips. Okay. I remember seeing the trailer for that. Why? I don't know. I remember being at tertiary education. I was doing a TAFE course at the time. So the internet was there. I would have the internet at home, but I was using the school's internet. And I was going to the trailer of website. Remember those days? I did. watch a really small quality trailer of this. Oh, what movies are coming out now? And I think it was Phantoms with Ben Affleck and yep. Bats. 
I remember watching those two. Why that is so vivid in my memory <laughs> that I watched those two trailers because I think I was sort of like getting back to that whole, oh, this is Entertainment Tonight again. I'm at the forefront. I'm at the leading edge. This is a brand new trailer that just dropped today for these new films that are going to be something. Yep. No, no, it, it, no. That's like that's. I think that you mentioning it is the next time I've thought about the movie Bats since that day. But yes, that's 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 quite funny. Hmm. It's weird that we've just gone through all of the '90s and we haven't really mentioned Kevin Smith other than Dogma. But obviously, Clerks no. came out in 1994 and Chasing, Chasing Amy. Amy came out in '97. But I don't, I don't know. Like when you watch them now, they are quintessential '90s movies. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why we didn't mention them. But anyway, yeah, it's sort of weird. So looking back at those, it's I mean there was a lot of lot of franchises in there. Your Batman's obviously still made a lot of money and things like that. But it was definitely I could see my maturing of cinema tastes and seeing certain things, but not totally. So I'd still see blockbusters. I love them, but it's that middle of the range stuff. But towards the end there, there was a lot of gross comedies. Your Juice Bigelows, your something about Mary's American Pies. Obviously that was the period was going into that thank god we moved on yeah and a lot of really bad cgi like things like species and like we said with escape from la it was sort of like just because you can doesn't mean you should yeah, exactly. Because I remember, but we had the Matrix in 99. So by that point, special effects were good. Because I remember there was going to be, Tim Burton was going to make a Superman movie with Nicolas Cage in it. And it got close. There was many scripts. Speaking of Kevin Smith, he wrote one of them. There's footage out there of Nicolas Cage in the suit. It got very close. And there's a documentary out there, What Happened to the Man of Steel. I forget what the name of this documentary is. And there's this one photo that's famously gone around of Nicolas Cage. And he's got the mullet from Con Air and he's in this Superman suit and it's not a great Superman suit and it's really embarrassing and people use it as oh look how bad this movie was going to be yeah. and this doco is really good because the guy who made it basically go was it that bad and found out that this yeah that's not the hair he would have had in the movie that was the hair he had for another movie he was just trying on the suit and it was a very early prototype of the suit so it's not what it would have looked like in the film and he actually found more footage in this doco of him in other suits and it's like that actually looks really good but they had a lot of conceptual and prototype drawings from the movie and it was like that actually looks really nice it was crazy and it's not my Superman. It was a very different take. It was very Tim Burton going in a crazy direction, taking Superman to another direction, but it definitely would have been visually interesting. I would have paid that. I don't know if he dodged a bullet on it. I don't know if it would have come out at the right time as far as, oh, he would have made Superman relevant again in a very different way to what we know as superhero movies now. Would he have culturally brought Superman back to the forefront of people's attention? It would have been different. It's not like Captain America is now through the Marvel U, but it's very interesting. And I looked at it and was like, oh, these designs are too good. How would they have pulled the special effects off in 99? And then I look back and say, hang on, the Matrix was 99. Exactly. They could have. So, yeah. So I reckon if given the chance, it would have been amazing. I don't know if it would have been good. But, yeah, that's a really cool doco if you want to check it out. Well, speaking of docos that came out in the 90s as well, 1999, Beyond the Mat came out too. We talked about that a few episodes ago. That long ago. Was that that long ago? Wow. Wow. Those kids are all grown up. Yeah, exactly. Well, just look how how old Foley's kids are now. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. All right. So looking back at the 90s, 
I think there was a lot of very good movies in there. I still stand by the fact that I think 1986 is the best year of movies ever, but there's some contenders in the 90s there. Uh, yeah, I'm looking back at the 80s. I'm feeling much more nostalgic for that now, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 99 was good, but, yeah, I reckon some of those 80s movies are better. I reckon 84 is still pretty good, too. Yes. Anyway, any year is better than 2020. Yeah, I'm sure people will be looking back going, <laughs> what's your favourite cinema moment of, of 2020? And it'll be the day that the cinema's actually reopened and you get to go to the cinema, maybe regardless of what you're saying but drop us a line on our Facebook we are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast we are on Twitter as the MA podcast and we are the MA podcast.podbean.com tell us what your favourite movies or your favourite memories of movies in the 90s were I'm sure there's other movies that I've forgotten to mention in the 90s because as I said I was going to the movies a lot during the 90s there was probably a lot of movies that I would look at a list and go yep I saw that at the cinema and I can't tell you a single thing about it but yeah alrighty well thank you very much Mitch not a problem it's always fun looking back at the past and thinking, yeah, maybe oh, I need to bring some of this. Go out, <laughs> share popcorn with people, not wear a mask. Yeah, the good old days. Yep. All right, we'll leave it there, cool. and we will come back in another couple of weeks with just one of our normal standard episodes. And yeah, until then, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. See ya. Bye.